What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we've been discussing the re- the rotation battle in spring training, but what about the other competition battles? What about the bullpen? What about the bench? Discussing how those battles are going. And then MLB.com dropped their projected lineups and rotations for every team. Let's break down how they did for the D-backs on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends and tell your friends to subscribe to Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube. We are still trying to hit that 400 subscriber mark, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. But for today's podcast, we've been doing our little power ranking every either Monday or Tuesday for that number five spot in the D-backs rotation because it's probably the biggest spring training battle competition we have going right now. But it's not the only one, so I want to check in on other spring training battles we have going on in the D-backs organization, give a little update and see how those are going and I want to start with the bullpen because there are essentially five locks with the bullpen with three spots open because, remember, you can only carry a maximum of 13 pitchers on your roster. So that's five pitchers in your rotation. And that leaves eight spots in the bullpen. And seems like the D-backs already have five locks in the bullpen because right now, I think it's safe to say Mark Melanson, as bad as he was last season, as little amount of trust we have in Mark Melanson, He's still getting paid a pretty good number this season, and he still has a ton of closing experience in his career. And the D-backs and Mark Melanson are going to try and convince themselves last year was just a down season, a regression season, and he could bounce back a little bit this season, even though I think he's probably just over the hill, probably cooked. And that's okay. Mark Melanson has had a great career. He's like 39 years old, but he's definitely going to be a lock for the bullpen righty pitcher. Miguel Castro, who was signed, I think he played for the Yankees this past season. A little bit of an up-and-down pitcher throughout his major league career, but someone that throws really hard, has a couple nice pitches, righty. He's going to be a lock for the bullpen. Scott McHugh, you might not know who he is, but he seems pretty likely to be a lock just because he's another dude with a lot of closing experience. And the difference is his closing experience isn't on the major league level. He's coming over from overseas but Scott McHugh has been a closer the last three seasons overseas so I think he will be a lock for the bullpen just because he knows what it's like to pitch in high pressurized high leverage moments of a ball game and if he is able to pitch on a major league level and be effective then I think he will get some opportunities to maybe close for the D-backs this season because 
I do think will come a point during the year pretty early where we're having Mark Melanson close games and we're like, you know what? Uh, maybe we should try to switch things up here. And I think that will come within the first couple weeks of the season, first month of the season, where it's like, you know what, Mark Melanson, uh, let, let's try a different inning for you. Maybe the ninth inning is in your role. And I can see Scott McHugh being elevated to closer. Righty, Joe Mantiply, lefty, of course, is a lock. The, let's not forget, lone D-backs all-star from last season. So Joe Mantiply, lefty, is a lock. And then the Sheriff. Who's back in town? Andrew Chafin is the other lock lefty. So Melanson, Castro, McHugh, Mantiply, and Chafin are the five locks with three spots open. And here are some candidates for those last three spots in the bullpen based off spring training and just, you know, the overall roster makeup experience of these players, talent of these players, you know. So you got Kevin Ginkle, who was pitching with the D-backs, looked pretty good at the end of last season. Corbett Martin, who the D-backs are still trying to figure out and you know, untap his potential for my audio listeners. I just did quotations around untapped potential because I keep hearing untapped potential, but I've yet to see any realized potential. Cole, <clears throat> excuse me, Cole Sulcer, who the D-backs, I think, picked up off waivers from the Marlins this offseason. Kyle Nelson, who was really good last season. Luis Frias, who is, once again, if you just watch, like, Five pitches of Luis Frias, you would think this is like one of the five best pitchers in Major League Baseball because his stuff jumps off the TV. It's wicked nasty. The problem is it's usually in the heart of the zone for an extra base hit or it's three feet off the plate and he's walking somebody. Carlos Vargas, who was acquired in a trade this offseason, I believe from the Cleveland Guardians, another high-velocity reliever. And I think he's like the 22nd best prospect in the D-backs organization, maybe the 25th best prospect, locked-in top 30 guy. Then Justin Martinez, another locked-in top 30 prospect. So the D-backs have some contenders for their last three open spots in their bullpen. But one guy I feel pretty good. Like two of these guys I already feel pretty good about for getting a couple of those bullpen spots. Kevin Ginkle, I feel pretty good about getting a bullpen spot. One, he's looked great this spring training. 6.1 innings pitch, allowed no earned runs, three strikeouts, one walk. And he was good at the end of last season. And I know it's been a while, but if you go back to 2019, like I was doing podcasts where I was broaching the subject, the question, could Kevin Ginkle be the closer of the future? And I think we realized pretty quickly that he's not going to be that, but could he still be a, a, a reliever of the future? Just a six-inning, seventh-inning guy of the future? A nice little mid-to-high-leverage reliever for the D-backs? I think he could still be that. I think the D-backs still think he's talented. I think the D-backs still like Kevin Ginkle a lot and want to see how he looks, you know, maybe with some more opportunity, a full season of work, because he still never had like a full season of work under his belt. So maybe you get like 50 innings pitch, 60 innings pitch out of Kevin Ginkle this year if he cracks the major league roster. And I kind of feel like he will. I think Kevin Ginkle has a pretty good shot at making it to the D-backs bullpen this year just because of that experience last season. And I think he's still a very talented guy. So I think he's, I, I would have the, I would have the arrow pointing upward next to Kevin Ginkle's name. I think the second guy I feel good about, and it's not based off spring training, based off what he did last season, is Kyle Nelson because, look, this spring training, a 6.75 ERA, 5.1 innings pitch. He's given up eight hits, four earned runs, allowed a home run, two walks. Like, he has not looked good this spring training. A 3.48 average allowed, a 1.88 whip. Like, the spring training numbers are bad for Kyle Nelson, but... With all spring training numbers, you have to take it with a grain of salt. And the reason 
even though Kyle Nelson hasn't looked good in spring training, the reason I still feel good about him because, listen, let's not forget, after Joe Mantiply, I think it was pretty safe to say Kyle Nelson was our second best reliever or our second most reliable reliever or our second most trustworthy reliever, whatever adjective you want to use. If Mantiply was hurt or if he was getting an off day, it was Kyle Nelson that I wanted as the go-to reliever for the D-backs. And because of that, he's not someone that's going to go out there and throw 97 miles an hour. But he is someone that we even saw last season kind of do. I think there was one game where the D-backs did the reverse opening where Kyle Nelson might have pitched the first inning or second inning before the actual starter came into the game. So this is someone that could be versatile. You can do something like that. Now, the D-backs do have like seven dudes in their rotation, so you're probably not going to have too many games where Kyle Nelson starts and then you bring in your actual starter. But considering Kyle Nelson can be uh, you know, an emergency spot starter if you need it, he's someone that was pretty good in high-leverage moments last season. Kyle Nelson was just a dude last year, and he was... When you had such a mediocre bullpen and you had someone actually come out there and pitch well and pitch effectively, I don't think you can just overlook that. So I do feel good about Kyle Nelson as maybe that second guy for one of the three spots. So you got Kevin Ginkle, you got Kyle Nelson. And then that third spot, I think, is a little bit tougher to figure out. Corbin Martin, we talked about D-backs really want to see if he's a dude or not because I think this is the make-or-break season for Corbin Martin. If he doesn't pitch well this season, I, I don't think he's going to be around in the organization much longer. Cole Salser, you picked him up off waiver off the waiver, so it's not like you have any invested you know, interest in a Cole Salser to be that extra bullpen arm. Um, if he pitches well in spring training, he hasn't gotten a ton of opportunity, only four innings pitch, but he's been perfect in spring training. Uh, I don't feel great about his odds, to be honest. I think Carlos Vargas is the guy I'm looking at just because he has some really nasty pitches and he's such a high velocity reliever. Like I think that third spot is going to go to a Vargas. I can see a Justin Martinez getting some opportunity and run with the D-backs this season, but he's not going to make the opening day roster, but could he be a post all-star break call up? I can see that Luis Frias. I think he will probably get some opportunity with the D-backs. I don't think he will start the major league season with the D-backs, but he's someone that's going to be called up and down between triple a and the major league level. It just won't be very long since because every time he pitches, he gives up a lot of hard contact and runs. And so when I'm looking at all my options, I don't love a Corbin Martin. I don't know enough about Cole Sulcer. Luis Frias is volatile. Justin Martinez is an unknown. Carlos Vargas is also an unknown, but he seems the most major league ready compared to a Justin Martinez with, I think, a major league ready arsenal right now, that high velocity arsenal. So I think I would pick Kevin Ginkle, Kyle Nelson, and Carlos Vargas as my last three candidates for my three open spots in the D-backs bullpen. And if you want to bet on who's going to make it to the D-backs bullpen, well, the best place to place bets is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Let me put my little overlay on for my YouTube audience because the end of the NBA season is almost here. It's almost time for the playoffs, which means it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's, that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. They can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Same-game parlays are my favorite thing to do because guess what? Whenever the Lakers play, 
There's no LeBron right now, but there's still a healthy Anthony Davis who looks like an MVP again. So I like to do AD, 25 points, AD, 10 rebounds. And now we got the prodigal son, D'Angelo Russell, back in town. Give me D'Lo, three threes with the Lakers win. Parlay those four legs, probably plus 400, plus 450, whatever. Uh, it hits maybe a third of the time, but when it does hit, you feel like a superstar. Like, I think that bet would have hit the last game that the Lakers played. Um, who was it against? Against the Pelicans. I think AD had 30 points, 15 rebounds. D'Lo had three threes. Lakers win. Like I tell you, money in your pocket. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. We can go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's look at another spring training battle because we're not going to talk about that number five spot in the rotation. We talk about it every Monday or Tuesday pod, but how about the bench spot? Because there's a few candidates for the bench with three open bench spots because um, we know generally what the lineup is going to be like and who's locked into the lineup because you're going to have, let me, let me just pull up, Who's locked in, right? Carson Kelly, locked in. Gabriel Moreno, locked in. Christian Walker, locked in. Evan Longoria, locked in. Keto Marte, locked in. Josh Rojas, locked in. Uh, Who else is locked in? Nick Ahmed is locked in. Lords Guriel is locked in. Jake McCarthy's locked in. Corbin Carroll is also locked in. So that was 10 dudes I just named, and that is a lot of players. So who are the candidates and who are my options for the other spots? Um, Well, some people think Alec Thomas is not a lock for opening day roster, but I do think Alec Thomas is a lock. So he's the next guy that I would also have in this conversation. And real quick, did I do that math right? Is that, is that the correct amount of people? Kelly, Moreno, Walker, Longoria, Marte, Rojas, Ahmed, Guriel, McCarthy, Carroll. Yeah, and then Thomas. That's 11 people. And that leaves three more spots open with a few more candidates because I, I think Alec Thomas is a lock. Some people would disagree, but I just think he's either your third or fourth outfielder. He's probably going to be your considered fourth outfielder but if Alec Thomas a top prospect the guy with that kind of defensive capabilities and instinct is your fourth outfielder like I think you take that if you're the D-backs organization so that's 11 people locked up to spots and so you got to look at the other candidates that are vying for these spots and you got the Kyle Lewis's the Paven Smith's I don't think I'm putting Seth Beer in that um Geraldo Perdomo right Diego Castillo that's four dudes, and I guess Emmanuel Rivera as well. So you got like five dudes vying for who spots in this D-backs roster. And so you think maybe you want an extra outfielder. Maybe you want an extra infielder. Maybe you want someone backing up Christian Walker, so he's not the only first baseman on 
you know, on the roster. And so it's like, how should you divvy this up, right? You could just go by spring training stats and guys you, you think project to have the highest ceiling on the team next season, or you could just go by need and fit. And so when I look at who should maybe get these bench spots, well, I feel like you probably have to have an extra infielder to back up a Nick Ahmed, and that's where Geraldo Perdomo plays in because, yeah, Josh Rojas could play shortstop, but he's probably going to play a lot more third base than he does shortstop. And with Nick with Nick Ahmed's injury history, and let's face it, he doesn't really have a high ceiling. Like Even though Nick Ahmed's healthy, there is a world where maybe he takes – a step back offensively, maybe he lost a half step defensively, and maybe you get to a point where it's like, you know what, there's not really much of a difference between a Geraldo Perdomo and a, Nick, and a Nick Ahmed. Maybe Perdomo has progressed a little bit from last season. Let's give him a little bit more opportunity and see if he's just a better player straight up than a Nick Ahmed. Like, we could be getting close to a point where Perdomo is better than Nick Ahmed. I think currently right now, Nick Ahmed is still probably better than Perdomo, but it's not, it wouldn't be a shock. Perdomo's like, what, 23 years old? Like, he was one of the youngest players on the D-backs last season, and this is going to be, like, his third season with the D-backs, at least, you know, in terms of getting playing time. And so, with him playing the full season last year at shortstop, got a lot of experience, maybe he progresses this year. With Nick Ahmed missing, basically, all of last season, maybe he's lost a half-step defensively, maybe he's not as good offensively. And Perdomo, 849 OPS this spring training. I think he's a pretty good option to get um, one of those open bench spots. I think a guy like, I, I think there's a real competition between Paven Smith or Kyle Lewis. I think that's kind of the other battle for one of these bench spots, just because I don't think Emmanuel Rivera, he's just another righty third baseman. And once you sign Evan Longoria, I think that just kind of pushed Emmanuel Rivera out the picture. Like you're, you're not going to keep Emmanuel Rivera around. We have Evan Longoria to be your platoon third baseman righty. Like I think you call up Emmanuel Rivera from AAA if a Longoria gets hurt because we know he's someone that hasn't been able to really stay on the field more than 80 games the last couple of seasons. So once Longoria gets hurt, they can call up Rivera. But you're going to have Rojas playing against the righties. You're going to have Longoria playing against the lefties. So I don't really think you need and Emmanuel Rivera, and if you're keeping Perdomo as your backup shortstop, like, Perdomo could just be fine over there at third base as well. So I just don't think there's a spot for Emmanuel Rivera. So I think the real competition for that last bench spot comes down to a Paven Smith versus a Kyle Lewis because Paven Smith could be that lefty backup first baseman to a Christian Walker. That's not really going to be Kyle Lewis's role. That would just be Paven Smith. That opportunity is there for him. But the issue is he's probably not that good defensively as a backup first baseman. And he just doesn't give you much offensively. Like this spring training, Paven Smith has looked pretty dang good at the plate. His number so far, he's batting 381 with a 905 OPS. But since he's gotten some opportunity, Kyle Lewis has also looked phenomenal because Kyle Lewis so far in spring training and only 14 at-bats, five games, leads the D-backs with 1396 OPS, is a 429 average, two home runs. And so it's like, do I want a guy? See, the issue is, before I get into who should I take or who should I not take, the issue with Kyle Lewis is he can pretty much only play DH, like the reason why it took him a while to get going in spring training was because of leg fatigue. He's someone that's dealt with a lot of leg issues the last couple of years. So it's like maybe Kyle Lewis could do a few games in the outfield this season, but you're probably going to use him 80% of the time in the DH. So it's like the question is between these two, do you want maybe a risky but have some upside 
DH that could maybe give you just a handful of games in the outfield? Or do you want a guy that could actually be a serviceable backup first baseman, give you those you know, Christian Walker days off, but probably doesn't give you much upside as an offense player. I think that's the question that the D-backs have to ask, which is more valuable to this team. Another power righty DH, or do you want a backup lefty first baseman with little upside? I think the D-backs should roll with Kyle Lewis because I want to see that upside. I want to see if he really could be a power bat as your DH. And also, I think he has a better opportunity to turn into a trade asset if the D-backs want to trade him down the line. Kyle Lewis can stay healthy. Like This was his 2020 Rookie of the Year, so I just think there's some potential there that Pavin Smith just doesn't have, and Pavin Smith isn't a great defender, and I I wouldn't be surprised if the D-backs even tried to get Evan Longoria some reps over there at first base. Like, Of course, they're both righties, Longoria and Christian Walker, but at least he could go over there and probably man it and be fine defensively and give Christian Walker some days off. Like Christian Walker is a guy that could play 150 games, right? So you don't need to give him that many days off. And so I think I'm going to roll with the offensive upside of a Kyle Lewis instead of a Paven Smith. And I'll go with Geraldo Perdomo for one of those other bench spots because I don't know about Nick Ahmed, how he's going to look, whether he's still the same guy pre as he was pre-injury. So I think I'm going to ride with those two guys for my final two bench spots. And it's really fun doing these topics and segments because I'm acting like a GM. I'm picking who should be on the D-backs roster. And if you want to have the feeling of a GM, then you need to download the Ultimate Baseball GM app because I'm really geeked out by our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Baseball GM, have you ever dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing your professional baseball franchise? Well, your dream came true, and this game is definitely for you because you get to manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, managing difficult personalities, navigating your franchise through free agency, and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline, play on the go as you want and when you want to. Growing up as a kid, I'm not going to lie. My favorite mode on MLB The Show wasn't going online and doing head-to-head. It wasn't playing games against my friends. It was going on that franchise mode, picking the D-backs, and drafting my team from scratch, building my roster through free agency, making all these fake trades. It's why I love doing fantasy sports, because you get to act like a GM, but... The the Ultimate Baseball GM app takes it to another level because on fantasy, you can't manage the salary cap. You don't got to worry about team chemistry. You don't got to worry about personalities. Ultimate Baseball GM is the ultimate way to feel like a baseball GM, and that is why I love the app. If you love playing franchise mode on MLB The Show, 2K Madden, whatever it is, then you have to go download this app. So Locked On Dimebacks listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. Download the game. Just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app store. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM, start your dynasty today.
All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast. And let's look at MLB.com's projected lineup and roster for the D-backs. Don't think I want to spend too long on this because we are running a little slow on time today. But I found it interesting. And of course, this is just going to be like a general lineup that they have because we know Tori Lavello is going to ride those platoon matchups, right? Whether there's a righty or a lefty on the mound. So for the D-backs, they got Corbin Curl leading off, Marte number two, Lloyds Gurriel three, Christian Walker four, Rojas five, McCarthy six, Kelly seventh, Ahmed eight, and Alec Thomas nine. And when you think about whether they bat righty or lefty, they'll go lefty, switch hitter, righty, righty, lefty, lefty, righty, righty, lefty. And I love the idea of Corbin Carroll at the top of your lineup because I think he could be our version of like a Mookie Betts. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as a Mookie Betts, but when you have Mookie Betts as your leadoff hitter, there's a lot of games where you start at one nothing because Mookie Betts has that kind of power. And I think Corbin Carroll can start the D-backs with a lot of games with a one nothing lead, if not just start the game with a double, right? So I love him as my table setter at the top of the lineup. I mean, he's also a dude. He's so talented. Like, you could probably put Corbin Carroll as your number three hitter, your number four hitter, your number five hitter, your number two hitter. But I like him as the number one, leading off the game, biggest speedster in Major League Baseball. Fast, you put him at number one. They have Ketel Marte backing him up. And if you get, excuse me, I'm like playing with um, a pin here and it just shot up on my camera. If you get the normal Ketel Marte that we've seen where it's like the 2021 Ketel Marte where he's batting 318 or the 2019 Ketel Marte. If you're getting that dude who's just a contact machine behind a Corbin Carroll, Ketel Marte is going to be in for a huge RBI year. Lords Gurriel, number three, I don't mind it at all. I think he's because he's another dude, he doesn't have a ton of power, but another contact guy. The first three dudes in this projected lineup, just straight up contact. All dudes that could bat 290 or better. They bring up Christian Walker. He's your cleanup hitter. Near 40 home run dude last year. I love it. And then it gets interesting with the Josh Rojas, Jake McCarthy, back-to-back lefties, but back-to-back speedsters as well because if Josh Rojas hits a single, he could steal second. And then guess what? If Jake McCarthy hits a single, Josh Rojas is coming home. Now you got another dude that could go from first to second. If you're trying to throw out Josh Rojas at the plate, guess what? Jake McCarthy's now on second base, maybe even third base, because that's how fast Jake McCarthy is. So I like those two right there. Then Carson Kelly as your number seven hitter is not bad at all because, listen, there are stretches where Carson Kelly can be one of the best offensive players in your lineup. We saw it at the start of the 2021 season before he got hurt that first month, month and a half. He looked really good. Of course, we all talk about 2019 where he looked really good as well. So Carson Kelly is your number seven hitter is not bad. Nick Ahmed eight is fine. And then Alec Thomas, it's like resetting your lineup, right? He's one of the fastest players in baseball. If he gets on base, that's going to add so much more RBI potential for Corbin Carroll when it comes right back to the top of the lineup. So I like this projected lineup a lot. And then plus, when you think about the platoon advantages, you could sit in Alec Thomas and move maybe a Corbin Carroll to center field. You put Lords Gariel or somebody in left field, Jake McCarthy in right field. And then you could put Kyle Lewis at your DH spot if you want to get some more power righties in your lineup. And then you also sit Josh Rojas. You put Evelyn Goria in at third base. I think that's really enticing. I think we're going to see Gabriel Moreno post-All-Star break get more opportunity behind the plate than a Carson Kelly. And I think that would actually raise the ceiling on this team because I think Gabriel Moreno is going to have 
a pretty good season. He seems like he's another dude that just a straight up contact machine. And he's another dude that's also pretty quick too. He's a catcher, but he's already stolen how many bases? Um, okay, I thought he stole a base so far at least one time this spring training. He hasn't, but he is a dude that I think projects to steal between between 10 and 12 stolen bases on the major league level um once he becomes a full-time starting catcher. So the D-backs are gonna have so much team speed next year. Carroll, McCarthy, Rojas, Moreno. Marte's not slow. Like, I, I just love the D-backs team in terms of speed. I think it's going to be great for them defensively. I think they're going to wreak havoc on the bases. And this lineup, it's not stout in terms of, uh, you know, a high ceiling. You're not looking at this lineup saying you got a whole bunch of superstars. We think Kenton Marte's a stud. I think Corbin Carroll's a stud. Christian Walker's an above-average player. We all like Jake McCarthy of the world. But these aren't the Ronald Acuna's, Austin Riley's, you know, those kind of lineups. This isn't having Machado, Soto, and Tatis in your lineup, right? But this is maybe not a high ceiling, but I think it's a very high-floor lineup that can that's going to just create a whole bunch of run-scoring opportunities with their team speed. So I'm really in on the D-backs this season, and eventually we'll do a pod where we do predictions for the D-backs for this upcoming season, but we're not doing that on today's pod. Be on the lookout in the near future. And now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Locked on Fantasy Baseball podcast with Matt and Dom, who will keep you up to date with fantasy news, draft strategies, analysis all season long. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.